Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So it's all over the news right now, but Cleveland is done with, and frankly, I'm not the most comfortable saying this name, but uh, Chief Wahoo, the logo is not going to be shared anymore. How do you feel about that? I don't feel strongly. I think it needed to happen. Eventually. <laughs> I would I would guess that the vast majority of people in our rough age cohort, you know, the the under 40s are like... Yeah, why? What? Get rid of it. Why? Yeah, just get it. Just get rid of it. Don't make a big deal out of it. Just, just get rid of it. Yeah, whatever. So it's it's also weird that they announced it for 2019. Oh, is it announced for 2019? Yes. I hadn't noticed that. Nope, that they're fact. doing it. And they're also, doing it this season. They're they're keeping. Well, they him. probably that order to China was already made. So how hard is it to? Really... How hard is it to redo that? It's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, you could probably employ five people in Cleveland just with a seam ripper, yeah. and just go <laughs> like go full bore. This feels... That would be amazing. Imagine that if like all the uniforms just had the logo, just like seam seamed out of it or whatnot. Like they just they're just wearing blank blue seam hats. Out. Or the I mean, yeah. they have a great they have a really workable alternate with the C. <laughs> like just yeah. use it. Just use it, yeah. Just use the alternates a little too many, a few too many times. They'll come up with something. They'll come up with something. All right, so you want to do the book club? A lot happened. We got our first verifiable action scene. Two of them, really. I'm thinking the kidnapping, the kidnapping of Lyra. Yeah. And I'm also thinking of the stabbing. The stabbing. Yeah. And the other thing that I noted, you know, the prophecy is starting to take shape. A little bit more, a little bit more of the, the motive here is setting up the other two books i think yeah exactly we're seeing a little bit more of why she was important why they knew that she was important why jordan college was investing time and we see more of a connection to jordan college yes absolutely and i'm just gonna you know use our use the benefit of our explicit tag and uh you know fuck andrew what the hell man uh these little pipsqueaks tattling it's indoctrinated yeah man that was that was rough you know, good old good old Andrew taking that Saint Anthony, Saint Alexander, Saint Alexander, yeah. <laughs> Man, they they got those kids. They got those kids bad. So reminiscent of the Dolores Umbridge team. So is that a British thing? I imagine, you know, at the the upper level schools, it is the you know the uniforms, like everybody's uniformed. Uh, and they want to be able to have some sort of pen. You just got a little uniform. bit more homogeneity. Hmm. And this is—I I have a mystery for you. You, if we want to make, we True. want to make yeah, any let's talk predictions about, about the books. I mean, <laughs> so Phil Paul references the rucksack multiple times and pointedly says, "You know, 
Let's wait until we've got Lyra, and then we'll look in the rucksack. Then we'll examine. <laughs> like, what do we think it is? Candy? <laughs> yeah, I bet <laughs> it's candy. Um, At least I don't one know. book, right? More? What was it? At least one book, right? At least one book. Um, I yeah, his writings. I don't know. I mean, uh, some reference to Will's father. Oh, I, I'm going to be really vague here. A book, a reference to Will's father. I, you know, I think that's sufficiently vague. Be? Um, yeah, because it, it's unlikely to be instruments. Because it feels like we would have you. You'd sort of know what it's going to be from yeah his dark materials so it's mm-hmm. got to be it's got to be information based not tangible thing based right it's a real am- amber spyglass maybe <laughs> it's a regular amber spyglass all right well next next week finishing the book finish the book which is part one yeah part one of three so yeah mm. well this week on the pod we're going to talk about the brewers <laughs> On uh, in both fronts here, Oof. I'm going to talk a little bit about a project that we kicked around this weekend. Steps in determining trade value, and I'll explain that a little bit more. And then Eric is going to reprise his wildly successful article review segment. So here we go. Over coffee this weekend because we were actually in the same place for a little bit of time. Never happened. I waxed poetic <laughs> about my current dream predictive project which is quantifying the fantasy value for guys who were traded. In our fantasy tools framework, I'm asking how many positions one guy could jump in Fawar based on relocation. And you rightly told me this is a really complex problem. <laughs> Why are you thinking about yeah. this? <laughs> and uh, no, I put it pat you on the back because I said I think we're all thinking it. It <laughs> sounds super complicated to be able to figure out. But I, you know, I like it. Yeah, I mean, this sort of seems like a multi-tiered project. And so today, rather than presenting um, any real concrete results, of which, frankly, I don't have any yet, uh, I want to talk about the framework and think about the things that we've already done and have you help me think about the model elements that we need to start to pull together to make this happen. Mm. And I've started a list, but I'm curious to know what you think. Um. But let me talk about the motivation quick. My real motivation is one of my keepers, Christian Yellick, being traded from the Miami Marlins, who are just going to be atrocious this year and are horrible to their fans, to the Milwaukee Brewers, which is one of the greatest places on earth. (laughs) Oh, wow. Milwaukee is fantastic. There's, There's just not much else to say about that. The um, five six size statue of the Fonz. I was just thinking that was representative of like Milwaukee and what what you expect and what you get. <laughs> I all right, whatever. Anyway, uh, the trade formally was Miami Marlins trade center fielder Christian Yelich to the Milwaukee Brewers for a slew of prospects, and I actually want to talk about those in a second. Center fielder Lewis Brinson, a second baseman, is on Diaz. Monty Harrison, who is also semi-headliner, probably the second highlight of this, and Jordan Yamamoto, a pitcher. And so 
Is there any, before we talk about Yellick and his value um, and the change in, the potential change in Fuar, what about these miners guys? You know, a lot of people stop at the headliner, but can we glean some valuable information from these miners guys? And then I have a stretch goal. Should we think about having a miners league recommendation list, just an ongoing fantasy tools list of guys that we're watching in the miners? I think that it's great that these players are moving from a system that was kind of overloaded with prospects. Mm. It was overloaded with, uh, it had a few standout guys, but for the most part, overloaded with mid-tier guys. So they're going to a system that's going to have to play quadruple-A players all the time because they have nobody on that roster. So I think that's great for these players. (laughs) They're going to be up accruing real-life value and fantasy value in the near future than perhaps um, they would have in Milwaukee. Okay, so I think that's a good thing. So what about my second point here? Should we think about... Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, definitely. We need to start tracking minor league players for fantasy because the list, the prospect lists out there not fantasy oriented a lot of different factors and only one of those is really fantasy oriented because they have fantasy they have defense and then they have like the sort of general what we're talking about here is opportunity well the thing that i yeah opportunity the thing that i will say and in in a fantasy sense i think you fold both opportunity and defense into one big metric for how likely are they to actually make the team right Oh yeah, no. Because teams aren't important. teams are never going to bring guys up until they're defense, you know, mostly defense ready, unless their offense is unreal. Miguel Sano. <laughs> All right, so we kind of we kind of got off track here, but uh, I think I think that a product that we can make that's sort of low hanging fruit is thinking about a miners recommendation list. So I just wanted to get that in recording, something that we can think about having a, on the back burner and try and figure out a way that we can we can publicize that. So let me actually get to the meat of this. Go ahead. <laughs> Wait. So, yeah. So we have our two first two recommendations of minor league players. Then who should uh, people should watch for? Oh, Lewis Brinson and Monty Harris. Lewis Brinson. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say Keon Braxton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you joke, but uh, Keon Braxton. Yeah. And these these are guys that you don't you don't have to draft because it's unlikely that somebody's gonna use a roster spot on them. Right, exactly. These are guys that you should be aware of. Do not draft them. Do because not draft they, them. It's better for you to pass on them and let someone else um, take up a roster spot that they end up having to you know, use for a potential closer. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Unless, I mean, you know, usual June. caveats given our last week discussion of what, what different types of fantasy are. But, uh, you know, in general, you shouldn't do that. Absolutely. All right. Let's actually get to the meat of this, though. Um, Christian Yellick, I want to, like, roughly I want to think about what his Fawar value looks like because gut check, okay, he's more valuable now, but how much more valuable is he actually on the Brewers than on the Marlins? And so let me just start, let me just start bouncing some ideas for what a model actually needs. And I think, I think you had a couple more that I, that I didn't even get down here. Um, I was thinking huge one is where does he actually hit in the lineup? 
So is he going to be one, two? Might he get some shots at three? Um, I'm just thinking about, like, where does he actually go? I'm really hoping that we can not think about him being in five through nine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that would not be good. (laughs) Okay. So second thing, um, the park factor. People have made a lot of noise about what it means to go from the just the, the cavernous outfield in Miami to playing in some relative confines in Miller Park, especially with a shallower left that is going to hopefully benefit Yellick. Something there. And then third one is, that we've that we've kicked about before is what about the the actual opposing teams that you play and the general strength of schedule. Um, tough to say where that where that actually goes. You know, naively I think, okay, well the NL East is really weak, <laughs> like really weak, and going mm-hmm. to the Central is a little bit worse because you actually have a bunch of games against the Cubs, and I still think the Cubs are gonna do pretty well this year. Yeah, the Cubs are gonna be good this year. How complicated do we want to get? I, you know, I want I want to be. As we're brainstorming this, I want to be totally kitchen sink, as comprehensive as possible. Here's everything that could affect his value. I mean, like, from, I would love to get to a level where we have to think about what the weather patterns look like in Milwaukee versus Miami. And try and, and well, no, I mean, but like Milwaukee actually uniquely in the park factor has a big deal, which is that they can close the roof. Right. So that is helpful. So they're never going to miss a game there in Miami. Uh-huh. Like there's, there's never going to be a, or in Miami, in Milwaukee. Wow. Those are, those are actually much closer to say than I thought. Miami. They're never going to miss, they're never going to miss a game in Milwaukee for weather. Mm-hmm. So you, you have a bonus there, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'd like to get to that level, but really let's circle back to batting order, which actually matters. And naively I thought, okay, this is going to be a boost. But then I remembered last year he's hitting ahead of Marcelo Zuna and Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah. So yeah, so is, is it actually a boost? Uh, like, so this is one of the things that we were talking about. And I, it was the same, the, the same factors, but same variables, same vectors, if you will. But it was um, ordering. I was saying that we needed to, we really needed to run this model for last year and then adjust. We needed to model out what it looked, what his year was supposed to look like with the roster changes and then compare and contrast that to what what he's going to look like this year because geez i mean we're so excited that he's going to be better than what he was forecasted to be once um judge and everyone else left but really isn't he in that much better a situation than he was in in 2017 no (laughs) what i'm gonna do is formula is run out last year's stats and batting order we built a lot of the framework to do this at the beginning of last year for fun Mm -hmm. and luckily one of the benefits of me actually putting this all in all of my work into notebooks last year is that i can just go and rerun it on a new data set so i think i'm just gonna i think i'm just gonna do that with batting order and see like see what happens and start trying to make some headway on that and uh, maybe I'll beg you to do something on park factors again. Yeah, I can start to actually like formalize that a little bit better. All right. Well, I think we think we got some early steps here in what I'm pretty sure is going to turn out to be a math project. <laughs> <laughs> of course. We've almost weathered the off-season baseball drought. 
But we're also almost done with our book. If you have any recommendations for something the book club should tackle next, let us know. Here's an outtake. I wake up like that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, can you just imagine? I mean, we've talked about this before, but can you just imagine just like... Wait, I'm awake. Ah! Ah! I can, frankly, I can imagine several of our friends doing that. <laughs> All right, article review time. The Brewers and the Breakout Pitching Staff is an article that I was reading by Jeff Sullivan today from Fangraphs. Sounds like you're just starting a story. Like, let me open the picture book, children. The Brewers and the Breakout Pitching Staff. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Chapter one. <laughs> Chapter twenty. Decribbage match. <laughs> um, yes, this is an article. I just thought it was a little bit interesting, so I thought we might as well. We're in a brewer's state of mind, so might as well, you know, keep on that topic. So, as we mentioned in the previous section, Christian Yelish, Yelik, however we're pronouncing that. Um, has been traded to the Brewers, and Lorenzo Cain also moved to the Brewers. So now we have a glut of outfielders because, um, well, Keon Broxton is going to try to play at some point, and Ryan Braun can't be in left field forever. But one of the you know big concerns in that team is actually the pitching staff. What? <laughs> What, what pitching I, when staff? We started, ex- exactly. When we started talking about this whole trade thing um, yesterday, you were just reveling in how awful their pitching staff was. A pitching staff that rivals the Minnesota Twins in terms of awfulness. The Twins, unless you think that Urban Santana is just the uh, the worst pitcher, the Twins actually have a better on paper starting five. Starting five. They have no Barely. bullpen. They have no bullpen. Okay. The Brewers have a very good bullpen, including Corey Kniebel, who you should grab yeah. in your draft. You're not going to get him, but yes, try. <laughs> uh, Josh Hader. That's a pretty good bullpen, and now they've added the magic himself. Albers, Matt Albers, is going to the Brewers. And basically, Jeff Sullivan has no respect for the Brewers and is mostly doing this kind of tongue-in-cheek to say Matt Albers is not really that good. He had a breakout year last year, and um, maybe something changed for the better, For the but it's... You know, unlikely. Well, the fact that he, I mean, he highlights the fact that it's two years and five million. That's cheap in baseball. Yeah, it's, it's nothing. That's like, that's a fine, that's fine. That's totally fine. <laughs> that's not a bad, it's not a bad contract at all, considering what they would actually have to shell out to sign you, Darvish. <laughs> to considering, yeah, how many innings you, Darvish, gives and how much of an impact that has. Like if Matt Albers doubles his era he's still going to be probably worth that worth that contract also a piece of fantasy fantasy news matt albers got saves last year he will not get saves no. this year no do not <laughs> do, think that do not pick do him up not for saves. think do not forecast 
him to get any saves this year. And I think part of what I wanted to get back to was that we talked a lot about relievers last year because of the Bastardo strategy and trying to sit on relievers who were um, doing better as a strategy in and of itself and as a way to um, be ready when closers fell down as they did regularly and have the next guy up. And so this is, and I thought this was interesting because I had, I had fallen in love with Josh Hader at the end of last year. Um, once I've, well after I was out of it and he was like one of my favorite guys who was like, ah, oh, geez, he is, he's such a great Pestardo. He's a max Pestardo guy. Yeah, exactly. Matt Albers, unfortunately will not be in there. Um, but you know, he might get a couple of holds for someone. Man, the Josh Hader K per nine. Do you know what it is on top of your head? Is it like close to twelve? Uh, higher. <laughs> what is it? Twelve point eight. Wow. With, yeah. With like a super workable home run percentage, all home run to fly ball ratio, which means that his xFIP and ERA are not as far off as they could be. I mean, he accumulated a whole point according to Fangraphs, a whole point of WAR in like not very much work no and yeah and he was i bet he had some negative in the beginning of the year because he kind of came on in the second half yeah this is a good this is a good um staff for relief yeah so are they going to be like the the anti-twins like okay let's just get our starters out and uh get get us you know get us four good innings guys and then uh (laughs) Well, Zach Davies, yeah, I yeah, mean, it's yeah, like yeah. he's gonna he's gonna let four runs up on the board. They might actually win those games now with like a slightly better offense and a bullpen that's not gonna give up any runs. That's actually true. There is something to be said for them uh, <laughs> them giving their pitching some some room to work. Yeah, exactly. And they've got a couple of guys. I mean, I. I think Chase Anderson is is gonna repeat. He had yeah, a really good year last year, and I, I think that he's he's a guy that might get you 180 innings of uh, third, not third, fourth starter in a on a on your yeah. fantasy team. How do you how do you think Jimmy Nelson does after injury? I don't think he's gonna bounce back. Uh, I don't think he's gonna bounce back first half of this year. So he might be available late ne- in the second half of next year. Yeah. So wh- what do you think his mode is? Do you think he's excellent when he pitches and he just isn't he- that healthy? Or do you think that he is consistently out there just at a lower level than he was? Mm. Wait, what's the option where they're, where he's 90% of what he was last year? So almost what he was last year? But then is um, has moments of utter disgustingness <laughs> to just pop up. That was a ho- that was a Homer Bailey approach. Yeah, yes. Whenever he came back, he would look so good, and like the announcers would just be like, oh, "Look at Homer Bailey go!" And then it would be that all of a sudden it would be a fastball down the middle. Like, ooh, <laughs> that, that one that one rocked. got away from him, but that's okay. We believe in him anyway. Also, the Gio Gonzalez approach oh, to God, pitching in general. I know, I know. He <laughs> held it together for the vast majority of the season last year, though. 
he is he's such a mirage pitcher i hate to rip on him but he really is all right you about ready to wrap this sucker up yeah let's go for it i put this article in here uh this was this was a new york times article that randomly came to my attention and it's uh you know it's a pretty it's a bunch of really sleek graphics but what it actually is about is uh purchasing twitter followers and they do a really interesting investigation of the types of people that might purchase twitter followers including one former second baseman for the cincinnati reds oh no brandon your boy your boy was your boy's implicated in this article (laughs) oh no what are you thinking (laughs) it's quite sad that part's quite sad but uh but he's one of the last 30 30 years so you don't speak ill of the dead but actually the question that i wanted to ask is uh should we get some for us yeah what's the cost (laughs) it's actually pretty cheap it's like a it's like a penny a follower i have blocked more porn bots (laughs) than we have followers i know by a factor of 10 i know i know man so so if it, we just want followers that I could stop doing if that. you so I mean if you do this you you get just you get the equal level of fake but you know they're they're less porn inclined so do you want me to start this off I know that you're still probably a little bit sore but Super Bowl preview it's next week yeah uh, it is and you know it's it's a must discuss it's not it's not fair of us as sports fans to not at least uh, put up a, a friendly, friendly little wager, chit chatting here. Bet box that can pay off immediately, not even remotely baseball related. Um, lines are pretty fair, I think, surprisingly fair, making me wonder why more people aren't just pounding New England on this. Uh, because what's the average that they've won Super Bowls by? Oh, not high. I mean, you're right. They don't they they don't participate well in in blowouts. Um, you see, what the the over under is forty eight on these lines. The over under wow total is forty eight. So they're not expecting much scoring, which seems interesting. I would. I mean, yeah. so naively, I'm going to take the over for sure. Um, on the money line, <laughs> you know, or on, on the on the point spread, I'm I'm still going to take New England. I mean, it's New England minus four. It's like not that or minus four and a half okay i'll take i'll take the under and i'll take i'll take what? the points are you serious all right sure why not all right you take the air the under and the points um, and then the last thing that's going to segue right into our next thing uh the umass dining hall announced today that they are not <laughs> offering philadelphia cream cheese for this week just because people in Massachusetts need just a little bit more encouragement to root for the Patriots. <laughs> and find ways to hate people from yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. Like, it's just fanning an inferno. <laughs> like, what? Oh, yeah. I have enjoyed all of those articles about it being the two worst NFL fan oh, bases. Absolutely. <laughs> That's not even remotely a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just a punchline. It's just a punchline. You're absolutely right. But that does segue into my proposal for the review session here. Cream cheese. Yes, indeed. I love cream cheese, so watch what you're going to say. But go ahead. Okay. I don't. 
taste there are just times though <laughs> i'm i'm a i'm the kind of guy that does butter on on my bagel I, when i go uh, go places if it's just that i know it's so but weird there are just times where like someone's like do you want cream cheese on your bagel i'd be no i'll have but you know what no i will and it just it is delicious in those those couple of um those couple of moments um i don't know why it's just just feels like like it should be a specialty item it's not something that i would have like more than once a month i would eat cream cheese every day um as part of multiple meals if Mm -hmm. i could do you prefer do you prefer the sweet or the savory cream cheese savory all day and preferably whipped i think you know there's i do i do need to lower the density a little bit (laughs) i i feel like those don't typically go together the the whipped and the savory what do you put like they do it just doesn't even compute. Oh, man. All right. So you're not a strawberry no. cream cheese kind of guy? No. no. Do not do not come at me with a tub of Philadelphia strawberry whipped cream cheese. Not this week at least. Not well, not this week at least. That's not gonna work for me. No, I my my traditional order would be olive pimento cream cheese. Like give me a flavor. Love olive pimento. Olive pimento. pimento. I'm always a um, chive. Chive, uh bacon scallion is also quite good. Yeah, the bacon seems a little silly. No, it seems pretty much like what you need. You, what I've had a couple of times recently is um, jalapenos, Ooh. chopped chopped canned jalapenos on top of the there cream cheese. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Now we're talking. See, look, it sounds like you're talking yourself into cream cheese now. No, I don't have I don't hate it. I just it's not you know, not really for me. Alright, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, we're select to you, buddy. We're select to you, too. Yeah.